you have your Bible, please turn to the Gospel according to Luke. We're continuing in Luke 20 today, so we're nearing the end of Luke 20. We're looking at just four verses together this morning. Luke 20, verses 41 to 44. And just before we read those, uh, remember we're still in the Passion Week, right? So it's just a few days until Jesus is going to die on the cross for our sins. The leaders are trying to get rid of him, and uh, they're just about to succeed in a way. Jesus is teaching the people day by day in the temple, and the leaders are questioning his authority in the first part of the chapter, and then they're trying to trap him in his words about politics in kind of the middle. And then last week, we saw the Sadducees try to trip him up on theology, and he handles all these questions so well that no one dared ask him any more questions. That was, those were the last words of the last verse from last week verse 40. No one dared ask him any more questions, but today Jesus has a question for them. He says, okay, you've, you've questioned me. Great. I've silenced you. No more questions. I have a question for you. And he tests them with a theological question. And so let's look at that together now. Luke 20, verses 41 to 44. But he said to them, How can they say that the Christ is David's son? For David himself says in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. David thus calls him Lord. So how is he his son? Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. We ask you to help us to see what you want us to see out of this text in the short time that we have together today. So we ask that you would meet with us and help us to see and to know deep in our bones the answer to this question. So would you be with us now? Would you meet with us? Would you lead us? Would you guide us? In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus is both Lord and Christ. Now, we might be used to, especially kids, if you've grown up in the church here, you may have heard Jesus Christ, and you think like, okay, so my name is Rob Chisholm, so if his name is Jesus Christ, then Jesus is his first name, and Christ is his last name. But we, you may have noticed in the text, did you see it? Jesus says, how can they say that the Christ is David's son? So he's not using there, he's not using the word Christ like a name, he's using it like a title. Like if you're looking for me, you wouldn't be like, hey, have you seen the Chisholm? It's just, that's, that's not how we talk, right? So it might be, you know, have you seen Rob? Have you seen Pastor Rob? Whatever. But you wouldn't say the Chisholm. You might say Mr. Chisholm if you're in like a school setting or something like that. Like we have Mr. and Mrs. Howard here today, even though they don't like me to call them that. But the kids call you that and it's appropriate, right? Right. There we go. Thanks. Jeff is awake. Great. (laughs) That was actually just a test. He's been in that pose since like 9.50. So we're making sure. Okay. So it's not a name. It's a title. And it's a title that has become so associated with him that it becomes used by the time we have the letters that are written by the Apostle Paul. We see 
the word Christ used as a name, sometimes just by itself, right? Christ, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear. And we know who that is. That's talking about Jesus because we know that Jesus is the Christ. But Christ isn't his last name. It's a title that's the same as the Old Testament word for Messiah. Now, all you kids already knew that, right? If you didn't know it, now, you know, I see that hand. You knew that already, Sadie. Good job. Okay, <laughs> Libby, you knew it too. And I'm sure some of the older ones knew it as well. But it's not a name, it's a title, and it's important because the people that Jesus is speaking to here, they are looking for the Messiah. They're waiting for him to come and fix everything that's wrong. The first century Jews were waiting for the Christ. Part of the Old Testament promise about the Messiah is that he would be the son of David. We see that first in 2 Samuel 7, but then it's also in Psalm 89 and in some of the prophets as well. He's going to be David's son. Even in the song that we sang today, Is He Worthy? He's, the, he's David's root. He's the root of David. He comes from him. The son of David, what was he going to do? He was going to be the ideal king, the king who does everything right and rules righteously, and that his kingdom would be a kingdom of justice and peace that would last forever. That's what they're looking for. And so many of the Jews in that day, as they were looking for that kind of Messiah, they're thinking, Rome is bad, they're ruling over us, and they don't have the right to do that, and the thing that the Messiah needs to do is throw off Roman rule and get rid of them and rule here in righteousness and in peace. That's what they're expecting, and they're expecting him to be a son of David. But then Jesus gives them this question. He says, how can they say that the Christ, the Messiah, is David's son? Now, he's not saying you can't actually call him that because the Bible says, yes, he's going to be David's son. But he makes a point by quoting from Psalm 110 and verse 1, where David, David's writing that psalm. It's listed right in there, a psalm of David. David says in the book of Psalms, which is Psalm 110, verse 1, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right, my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And he says, David calls him Lord, so how can he be his son? How can David's son also be his Lord? And you have to remember, the father, especially in that culture, always had more honor than the son. The son honors the father. And that command is even for us today, that as children, even once we grow past the age where we need to obey our parents, because we're now adults too, we still need to honor our father and our mother. So the father always has more honor than the son, but the Christ is David's son, and David himself calls him my Lord. And so let's talk about the word Lord for just a minute too, especially for the kids, but maybe the adults as well. When he says, the Lord said to my Lord, it can be like, kind of, what is he talking about? Well, if you go back to Psalm 110, which was written in a different language. The New Testament is in Greek. The Old Testament is in Hebrew, mostly. When it's the Lord said to my Lord, it's actually two different words. It's Yahweh, or Jehovah, as it's come down to us, said to my, 
Adonai. And you may be familiar with that. There's even some old songs, right, that use the word Adonai in them. And Adonai is the word that means Lord, a ruler, a one who is in charge. But Yahweh does not. Yahweh is the personal name of God. And for the Jews, the personal name of God was so holy that they wouldn't even say it. They wouldn't even write it out fully. So in the Old Testament, it's just a Y-H-W-H for the name of God, the name of the Lord. And so when they would write it out, they would actually use part of Adonai and put it together. That's actually where you get Jehovah from. And so it's been a translation practice for generations when it comes into English to translate that. Every time you see Yahweh in the Old Testament, almost, it's translated as Lord or the Lord. The exceptions to that are where it's put together with Adonai. There's some passages that it says Yahweh Adonai, and it's like, well, we can't say Lord, Lord. So then they say Lord God. And so a place where you see the word Lord, but then the word God, and God is in all caps, then that is actually underneath that is Yahweh. So everywhere in the Old Testament that you see Lord in all caps. Have you noticed that as you're reading your Bible? It's like, why is that one in all caps? All the other words aren't. That's to signify that that is this special name of God. And so Yahweh is the first one. When it says the Lord, it's Yahweh said to my Adonai, the one who is my ruler, the one who is my king, the one who is in charge of me. Now, if David's the king, who's in charge of him? Nobody but God. But he's speaking here of the Christ, the Messiah. So how can David's son also be David's Lord, David's king, David's ruler? Well, he's not just David's son. He is David's son, but he is also Lord of all. So what do we know about Jesus from this? So Jesus just leaves it open, right? He leaves it open. He just asks the question. And it's on us then to pay attention to the answer from the rest of the story, what happens to Jesus over the next few days, and then how his early followers respond to him and talk about him. And it becomes clear that Jesus is indeed the son of David. Jesus didn't just seem to be human. He was really born to Mary in Bethlehem, the city of David. The author of Hebrews tells us that Jesus partook in flesh and blood. He was tempted in every way like we are, but without sin. Jesus is indeed the son of David. He's not saying he's not the son of David. He's saying he is the son of David who is also David's Lord. So Jesus is the son of David and Jesus is the Christ. He is the seed of Abraham through whom all the families of the earth are blessed. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the son of David who's greater than David. He's the Messiah, God's promised one who will rescue his people. Now he redeems them not in the way they thought he would, not by getting rid of Rome, but through a sacrificial, atoning death on the cross, taking the sins of his people because they weren't just in trouble because there were bad leaders above them and they needed to be rescued. They were in trouble because of their own sin. Just like us. It's not just that we live in oppressive systems and have a hard life and so we need to be rescued. It's that we have contributed to those broken systems. We have contributed with our own sins, with our own wrong thoughts and words 
and actions. And so we don't just need to be rescued from other people who are, or systems who are bad. We need to be rescued because of our sins. But Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, God's servant, who gives his life for his people. And Jesus, the Christ, is the Lord. He isn't just a man. He is God in the flesh. And having risen from the dead and ascended to his Father, now he is exalted to the Father's right hand where he rules and reigns while he waits for his enemies to be his footstool, as was promised in Psalm 110, verse 1. He's the one who is sent to rule forever. He's greater than David. He's greater than angels. He's greater than Moses. He's a better priest who offered a better sacrifice than the Old Testament sacrifices. He's the mediator of a new and better covenant. He is the ruler of all. So what does it look like for us to respond to this Jesus? Who is the son of David? Who is the Christ? Who is the Messiah? And who is the Lord? Well, we must acknowledge Jesus as Lord and Christ. We must acknowledge Jesus as Lord and Christ, saying, yes, this is who he is. He has been revealed to us this way in God's word, and this is who he is. But it's not just enough to say, I agree with that. I get it. He's the Christ and the Lord. We must submit to him as Lord. If we belong to him, we obey him as our king, as our ruler, as our Lord. If he was David's Lord, he's certainly our Lord. But we don't just submit to him and like, okay, he's the king. I guess I have to kind of obey. We revere him as Lord. We worship him. We have great reverence for him. He is exalted even now. And one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In 1 Peter 3.16, we're told in our hearts to regard Christ the Lord as holy. And so we reverence Him. We acknowledge that He's Lord in Christ. We submit to Him as Lord. We revere Him as Lord. But another angle on this is that we trust Him completely. Because he is the Lord, he is in charge, he's Lord of all. And what does he use all his lordship and power to do? To save us who had been his enemies. And so we are safe with him. Where you think like, oh, it's hard to submit to him. That rule doesn't seem like it's actually for me. It doesn't seem like it's for my benefit. We can trust that it is because he's the Lord who is overall and he will always do what is good for us even if in the moment it's difficult and painful. We can trust him completely. And trusting him completely, revering him as Lord, we look forward to the day when he returns. He is coming back, and he will indeed right every wrong, and he will usher in that eternal kingdom where he will be with all his people in the new heavens and the new earth, where nothing can go wrong, and no one will do anything bad or sinful anymore. Is Jesus your Lord? 
Have you gone beyond mere, mere acknowledgement of Jesus as Lord and Christ? Trusting Him completely. Submitting to Him as Lord. Worshiping Him as Lord. Indeed, He is worthy. Peter quoted on the day of Pentecost, just almost two months after Jesus' death and resurrection, then he ascended, and ten days after his ascension was the day of Pentecost, and Peter preached on that day in the power of the Spirit, and he quoted this same verse, Psalm 110.1, and he follows that quote by saying, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, made Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And even those people that Peter could say, you crucified him. He didn't say, and so you're going to be punished forever. He said, you can repent. Repent. Turn from your sins and be baptized. And on that day, 3,000 were added to the church. Is this the day that one of you, whether here, whether online, will be added to Jesus true church, as you submit to him as Lord, trusting him completely, seeing that his death took care of all your sin and that his life guarantees life with him both now and forever. Jesus is both Lord and Christ. He's the one who is sent to save us, and he's the one who is coming to take us home to be with him forever, and he is Lord of all. We have his word on it, and we can trust him. What a gift. What grace. What a Savior. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that at just the right time, you sent Jesus, the Messiah, to take all our sins in his body on the tree, to live the life that we were supposed to live, to die the death that we deserve to die, and to rise never to die again. Would you help us to trust Him completely. Where we're tempted to go our own way, would you help us this week to submit to Him as Lord and to live for His glory, longing for the day when we, along with everyone else, will say Jesus Christ is Lord. And Father, You will be glorified. So Spirit, would You do what needs to be done in us, even now. In Jesus' name, Amen.